It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today, our show is all about the steps we most often miss in self-improvement. So for the last month, we've had different guests on. We've had Jesse Cole, Cameron Hughes, Larry Long Jr., Annie Meehan. We've had these amazing shows with these people that are up to some really big things in different ways in their life. And so I want to just pause for a moment and, and breathe and really say that all of these people, the, the through line that I see is that they all choose to look at themselves each day and ask themselves some simple questions so that they're continuing on this journey. And so I thought that what we got to do today was, was really look at what, what, how can we ask ourselves those questions that Cameron and Jesse and Annie and, and maybe, they, and, and even Larry Long Jr., maybe they might look a little bit different for them, but I know that they're all going through the same process, a similar one to what I use in saying, how do we actually grow? I, because that's a really important thing. And I, I believe that there's a self-improvement trap as well. So today's show is called The Steps We Most Often Miss, miss in Self-Improvement. The Steps We Most Often Miss in Self-Improvement. But before I, we get into the, the real meat of it, I want to call forward that there is a self-improvement trap. So for those of us that are, oh, we're always in self-improvement mode, the challenge could can be that we look at what's wrong all the time. There must be something wrong. I've got to fix it. I'm not okay. I'm not where I need to be professionally, personally, whatever that is. I've always got to grow. And so what happens when we get in those moments is we have this, this failure all the time and realizing that we are never going to be at the destination. That is not what it's about. It's not about arriving somewhere. Like there is no arrival where we're headed. When it comes to the self-improvement game, there's no arrival. There's no, when you're going to Disney World and you say, hey, I'm going to make it to Disney World. And you get there and you walk up to the Magic Kingdom and you see the, the kingdom with the lights and you're walking down the streets of Disney World. Like, you know, you've arrived. You made it. You said I was going here and you got there. That is not the way it exists in the self-improvement world. It's just this continual journey with an end game that just keeps changing. And so that can get us into some really big challenges that can get us to burnout, that can get us to feelings of failure. And that's not the goal. That's not what we want. We want the flip side to be able to say, we know that we want to continue to grow, and but we want to accept where we are. We want to be happy with where we are. We want to be enjoy with where we are and really enjoy the journey. And so I've had a lot of stuff that's come up for me around this, and I want to share that with you so you know how this reflects to me. Because oftentimes, one of the things that that uh, one of my guests, actually last week, Annie Meehan, pointed out to me, she said, Kathleen, sometimes people could can see you or, or maybe me or anyone else that, that takes a stage or is in a leadership role as having it all together, as having that perfect life and not having to face any of these challenges. And that's not true. I mean, we all put our put our pants on the same way. I've got challenges just like everybody else. In fact, yesterday when my kids were getting ready for school, I was sitting down on my computer. There were just a few things I wanted to finish up before I took them to school. And I was looking at my computer and all I could hear in my head was bickering. My kids are third, fifth, and seventh grade, all boys. And they were bickering about something that was just totally irrelevant. 
to their lives. It was like these pumpkins from Halloween that we'd had out front. And were they rotting? I mean, it was just just the craziest conversation. But one of them had a really strong opinion on it. And the other didn't. And they were fighting about it. And I'm, I'm attempting to focus on getting this work done so that I can go drop them off at school. And instead of, instead of doing and being exactly how I coach people, I did not take the deep breath. I did not think about how can I coach them in this moment? How can I show up exactly as I want to in this moment? Instead, I said, are you kidding me? It might have come out uh, with a couple other colorful words. Possibly. I was not the best parent in that moment. I was not the best version of me. I was so frustrated because this had been accumulation of bickering. And I hadn't grown to a point of really, uh, I hadn't let it out. I hadn't gone for a walk or gone for a run or just spent a minute by myself for the last few days. And so it was all building on itself. And it came out onto them. And I realized, oh, as soon as I said it, I just wanted to make it go away because I got to clear the air. I got to say, well, I'm, I'm sorry that I yelled. And why are you spending this time fighting? And so we were, then we got to dig into it. But but what came up for me was this, this kind of anger, this frustration, and that's what can happen. And so in the self-improvement game, we can easily say, oh my gosh, we failed. I've spent all this time learning self-improvement and here I am yelling. And so I'm a failure and you know, I can easily go down to the shame cycle, but it doesn't really serve anyone. Let me give you another example. I gave a speech October 7th. So just a little over a month ago. And one of my friends was at that speech and we got to connect a few weeks later. And she said, Kathleen, are you open to feedback? I said, of course I am, of course. And she says, my, uh, my experience of you was that you weren't vulnerable and you speak on being vulnerable as a leader, but that's not how you showed up. It really caught me off guard. And I went into that shame cycle in that moment. I said, oh my gosh, I speak about this. And I knew that, I knew I wasn't as vulnerable. But all I saw was the fact that I showed up and I gave a, a decent speech. I got, a good, got good reviews on it, but it wasn't as vulnerable as I've been in the past. There was another layer that I could have gone into. And it took me a full day to be with that and realize the why underneath it. What stopped me from being as vulnerable as I possibly could have? And the way that she phrased it after that was, I think you sold out. And that was painful to hear, really painful, but I was, I was thankful that somebody would share that with me. And she said, I think you sold out. I thought about that. I said, well, did I sell out? Well, I wasn't as vulnerable as I could have been. So we were in a space of comparison. Right? I've seen you before be vulnerable than you have. And I was in the space of really, why didn't I go as vulnerable as I could have? And so I, I paused and I thought about that. And it was a full 24 hours later before I realized it. And sometimes it could be a week or a month before <laughs> 24 hours. I was just lucky that it came in that time period. And I realized it was October 7th. Well, October 8th was the one year death anniversary. Well, I coined that term. I don't know if it's a real term, but my mom died one year before that. So on October 8th was the one year passing of my mom. And where I typically, when I'm speaking, one of the spaces that in this particular presentation that I pulled back from was sharing about my mom's, an experience that I had, my mom's death, that uh, demonstrated how you can be in joy 
and sadness at the same time, how you can be in joy and a lot of other different ways of being at the exact same time. And I pulled back from going there. Now that was a protection for me because it was so close to the date. There were so many raw feelings. So I realized, wow, uh, where I didn't see it at the time, but there was a protection in me not wanting to feel that pain. So I didn't go deep. I pulled away from that level. And and as I thought about, there's nothing wrong with that. There is no right or wrong in this. It's just truly understanding that my need to keep myself safe in that moment caused me to not be as vulnerable. Now, could I have shared in front of that room and said, tomorrow is the one year death anniversary of my mom. And typically I'll share with you this kind of experience. I'm not going to go into that today, but I want to share with you how, when we have experiences like this, you can still move through it. I could have landed that same point and allowed myself to be vulnerable in sharing that, Hey, I've got some big stuff that I'm moving through. And I realize where I held myself back. And when I hold myself back, I hold other people in the room back. I hold the people around me back. So we might replace that with your employees or your family or whoever that is that's around you. But when you hold yourself back, you're really holding them back. So I robbed them of the opportunity to learn that lesson. And it's all, it's all good though. The words that came out were, were perfect or exactly what they were supposed to be. And I'm now seeing an opportunity of where I get to go in the future. So when I feel that need to pull back or feel safe, I get to ask myself, hmm, why, what is beneath that need to want to feel safe? And how can I be vulnerable in a way that still creates the safe space for me? These are some of the questions that as leaders, we really get to ask ourselves because this is the piece of self-improvement. It's not beating myself up because I got the feedback that I sold out because I got the feedback that I didn't go as vulnerable as I possibly could have gone. Vulnerability is like an onion. So you can still go be vulnerable, but it's like an onion you peel back. There's other layers to it. So I did peel back one layer. I just didn't peel back four, five, six layers. And I don't necessarily have to, but I get to understand what stops me from doing that. If typically I'm going to pull back six layers, what is it about that moment? That means I'm only going to pull back one or two or three. So the trick and the thing that I see with Jesse Cole and Cameron Hughes and Larry Long Jr. and Annie Meehan and insert anybody else that you respect as a leader. It's that, that moment of saying, okay, something, something could have gone differently. And yet I get to learn from it. So the best gifts are, are wrapped in poo. I was saying this at a high school uh, event the other day. I used the word poo. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can say that. These high schoolers are like, really? Poo is such a safe word. I said, that's like a toddler word that we say other words. Okay, good. I can say it. But anyway, the whole point being the best gifts can be messy. They appear messy to us. And it's the people that are really willing to dig through the mess to figure out huh, where's the actual lesson here? Because once I saw where I, where I was holding myself up, I will never have to hold myself up like that again. I've seen the lesson. I learned from the lesson. And now I get to share the lesson with you in saying that when we feel ourselves pull back, and in this example of this speech, 48 hours before I gave that speech, I had the conversation with my husband. I was planning the speech. I was preparing for it. And I said, I don't think I, should, I get to give the speech that I normally give. This audience wouldn't want to hear it. I, I used those words. It was so crazy now that I'm reflecting back on it. I used the word, this audience wouldn't want to hear this. And it was a total protection space for me. Because that was BS. It wasn't that they didn't want to hear it. It's that I wasn't willing to deliver it. 
So that's the piece of this self-reflection of really understanding what worked for you and what didn't work. So the questions that I ask myself, and I know we've covered these on the show before, but it's worth reiterating because in this moment where you can get into a self-improvement trap of just saying, what didn't work? Where did you go that just didn't work? We get to ask ourselves, you know, yeah, absolutely. What didn't work? But what worked? And I invite you to ask that question first, because in our minds, we, we are geared for safety. Go back and listen to the show. It was in June. I had a neuroscientist on, and he's also my dad, but he's an incredible neuroscientist. He knows more about the brain than I will ever. He forgets more every day than I will ever know. But the whole show was about how the brain works and how it can shut down our emotions, how, how it's designed to keep us safe. So when we're asking ourselves, ah, something didn't work, we automatically go there because what didn't work is our safety mechanism. We don't want to be in a space of didn't work because that's not comfortable for us and it's certainly not safe. So if you want to retrain your brain, you get to first focus on what is working. So what's working? There's always stuff that's working. One, I got up and gave the speech. That worked. Words came out of my mouth. I connected with people. That worked. So there were things that worked, but what didn't work? What didn't work is there was a level of vulnerability that I could have gotten to that I didn't allow myself to go into. And what do I get to change going forward? That is looking at this, this whole experience is that, that gift wrapped in poo. And I get to be willing to get my hands dirty and see that because I was in a space of wanting to protect myself, I didn't allow myself to be as forward as I could have been with the people in front of me to support them in their breakthrough. And that's the difference. Like This is self-improvement at its finest right here. It's when we can look at a situation as neutral and say something worked, something didn't work, and what do we get to change going forward? That's the power of really pausing and reflecting on your self-improvement. Okay, we're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, there's more. There's always more on the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Enjoy this commercial break. I'll see you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, and welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Today, we are talking about the steps that we often miss in the self improvement game. One of the things that I want to talk about right now is this concept of right or wrong, okay? So when you heard me ask these questions in that previous segment, what I asked was, what's working? 
what's not working and what gets to change. So what's working, what's not working and what gets to change. So I got the honor I and mean, this, this, this incredible honor of being at one of my friend, Eric Dominguez's thesis yesterday. He is a part of a mastering leadership program. I have completed it. I have mentored it. And now I got to witness his capstone project. He got to present a two and a half hour workshop and it was in my hometown. It was beautiful. I get to go to another one tomorrow. And as my role as his mentor in this workshop, I got to document what worked and what didn't work. And I was very clear when I documented what worked and what didn't work because it was what worked for me and what didn't work for me. Now, there were 34 people in the audience. So 34 people could do that exact same exercise and say what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And he would have 34 different pieces of evidence that he could utilize, but it doesn't mean that they would be the exact same 34 things. What I might have on what worked for me, maybe what somebody else has as what didn't work for them, which just means that all of this is subjective. And it means that we're looking for the greatest good, which is there's no right or wrong because what might be right for me might be wrong for somebody else. What might be wrong for me might be right for somebody else. Let's drill this into something that's very concrete. Look at the September 11th tax. As somebody who lives in the United States, September 11th, 2001 was something that was brutal for me. Something that every year when it comes about, it's it, I remember the, these, I have these very distinctive memories of seeing people jump out of buildings. This is, it was a horrific time for me. My student, my, my kids, they learn about this experience. We have books around the house, illustrated graphic novels, and it shares with them the experiences from a standpoint of how we came together as a country so we as a country, we're united in that that did not work for us. But yet what I can tell you, and this is painful for a lot of people to hear, what I can tell you is that there are parts of this world where they look at the September 11th, 2001 attacks and they say it was the best day of their lives. And it's very hard for me to understand that, but yet I get that that is subjective. What works for me, what works for someone else is not what works for everyone. So my view on the attacks, it did not work. It was, it was horrific, but somebody else said, wow, it was the best day of my life. Those people over the United States, those entitled people, they finally got what was coming to them. Now that is not my view, but I am clear that that is somebody else's view. It doesn't make their view right. It doesn't make my view wrong. It doesn't make my view right and their view wrong. People died. People lost their lives. Families were upended. They were never the same. This, our country is not the same. Our world is not the same because it happened. It absolutely made an impact. For me, it was an impact that didn't work. But for somebody else, it was, it was different impact. And so I say that because we get to understand that there are things that work for us and that doesn't work for somebody else. When I get frustrated and I, I let my energy out on my kids and I say, oh my gosh, why are you bickering? I actually do feel better for a moment because I let that energy out. Then I realize, did it work? Well, if it changed their behavior, perhaps it did. But I see in their faces the sadness that mom yelled at them. And it's not the mom that I want to show up as. I want to coach them from a different perspective, which means, did it really work in the long term? So these are the questions that we get to ask ourselves and realize that what works for some people doesn't work for other people, which means the concept of right or wrong is subjective, which means right or wrong doesn't actually exist. It's all perception. Now, I know well, I have given this same conversation when I speak in front of large audiences, and there is always someone that says, well, two plus two is four. That's right. <laughs> and I say, okay. 
got it, but what if it's two plus two, but point 0.1 is so small after it that we can't see it. It's actually 2.1 plus two is 4.1. And they'll argue and say, no, two plus two is four. Mathematically and scientifically, we have agreed to those definitions. We have agreed that two plus two equals four. We've agreed that the, the, that the symbol, the number of two, and you add that to itself equals four because we as a as a universe, as a country, as a as a people have agreed that two plus two equals four. But could I go somewhere else in the world where two holds a different value and where you said two plus two is four and they would completely disagree with that? I'm sure that that's possible. So in our world, in our set of circumstances, we've agreed that two plus two is four. But somewhere else, that isn't the case which means based on our set of rules, we've created a right and wrong. But in the big picture world, it's not a thing unless we get everyone enrolled, all of our constituents enrolled, that this is the case. Think about laws that we put into place. So here, I, I'm not going to run a red light. If I, if I see a red light, I've agreed to stop my car. I've agreed that if I hold a driver's license, I'm gonna honor that rule. But that rule may be somewhere else in the world. Red means go and green means stop. I don't know, but it doesn't matter when I'm sitting here in Iowa in my car and I approach a red light. Those are the set of rules we've agreed to in this moment. And so think about that. Right versus wrong is a construct that we've created. It's all created by someone, even the dictionary. This was my best part. When I was studying emotional intelligence, my mentor says to me, he makes up this total word, but like I made death adversary up. I, I doubt that's a real word. I've never looked it up, but let's just say it's not death adversary. And you could say to me, that's not a real word, word, Kathleen, because it's not in the dictionary. Okay, well, just because something's not in the dictionary, how come it's not a real word? Just because the dictionary hasn't honored it as a word, does that mean it's not a word? I mean, like, these are the, this is a deep question, correct? But think about that from the concept of, we have lived in this world of right or wrong. Time, time is another one. So my son, my youngest son, we use time in the morning as a way to get him moving. And so we'll say 22 minutes till we're leaving the house, Andrew. 18 minutes till we're leaving the house, Andrew. Well, today when I started that countdown, I was standing by our microwave and I used the microwave clock. I looked at it and I saw that there were 33 minutes till we were leaving the house. But then I looked on my watch, which is synced up with the school time. And it was 31 minutes till we leave the house. So I decided to give it my watch time. I said, Andrew, there's 31 minutes till we leave the house. He looks at the microwave and he goes, you're wrong, mom, you're wrong. There's 33 minutes. I said, well, I'll just change that. I went to the microwave. I changed the time so that it matched the clock on my watch. And my middle son goes, hey, Andrew, guess what? It's still 31 minutes now. Andrew was ready for a fight. He walks in, sees the microwave time. And he goes, oh, 31 minutes. He was ready to fight to his death at 33 minutes until he saw that it changed. I changed the rules. There is no right or wrong. We change the construct all the time. So when we're in a self-improvement game, think about how that screws us up. We're constantly changing the end date. Just as I can change the time on the microwave, if I say, here's what I want to create. Oh, I didn't do it. Now I'm going to change the game. I'm constantly in this. Wow, Kathleen. You stink. And that's not a healthy place to be. So really being present that right or wrong is this self-constructed experience that we have agreed to live in, 
just understanding that concept, knowing that it exists, that when somebody says you're wrong, it doesn't really mean that you're wrong. It just means that you are up against their beliefs versus your beliefs. They may not be the same. And you get to decide what is worth fighting for. A lot of times what I found, at least in some of these smaller things too, like the time on the microwave this morning, I thought to myself, it's just not worth fighting this battle. I'll just change the time and then he'll automatically be caught up to me. Now, could I have changed the time on my watch? Sure. And I could have gone to him and then he's right. But the same thing can happen in any sort of construct. Right now, we've got a, a challenge with my oldest in school. So think about this at work for you, because I'm sure this is a situation that's happening in a lot of works right now, a lot of workplaces. Challenge with my son is that at the end of the day, at his eighth period class, he's having a really big challenge in how he relates to other kids and the behavior of the other kids. And the school is really working hard to create some classroom management skills for these kids. And we're in that messy middle where they're working on it, but they haven't figured out those skills just yet. And I see that my son is struggling with that. He's coming home frustrated, in tears, angry, telling me about the things that are happening. And as a parent, I'm hearing this. And on one hand, I want to just listen to my son's side. Like, it's okay. We're going to fight for this. And we're going to figure out and really assign anger to that and be frustrated. It would be really easy to slip down that path. And yet I know there's a huge opportunity for him here. So when I'm really looking from a self-improvement perspective for myself and, and also for him, when I look at this and say, this is exactly what happens all over the world. This is exactly what happens in workplaces. And I can't take him out or force a situation to be a way that we want it every single time. So think about if your workplace, let's say everybody went home at five o'clock or virtually or however, whatever their construct is. Let's say the last 30 minutes of the day. Do you think people's productivity is higher, lower, or the same in the last 30 minutes of the day? That is just your guess. Right? Higher, lower, or the same? So I don't actually know the answer to that, which is really funny. I asked that question. But, you know, think about that. Do we think productivity is higher, lower, or the same? Based on what I know to be true in, in typical uh, workplaces, it, it would be lower. Uh, and I've also seen places where it's higher. But the actual answer to the question is irrelevant because it's really about what happens in your workplace, in your environment. Okay, so I don't need to give you an average. I want you to see what happens in yours. Is it higher, lower, or the same? And think about if it is lower, is there horseplay? Is there, is it loud? Like, what is that environment like? Or do people just shut down? Are they maybe not working? What I've seen in, a, in some workplaces, a lot of leaders they work with, they say, everybody just leaves a little bit early and, and they don't really stay till the end or they check out or whatever that is. Okay. So that's just in the school environment. What's happening is the kids are getting really rowdy and it actually is a period. And when I talked originally with the teacher, she said, oh, we just, it's the last period of the day. So whatever, I just, I do the best I can, but that's how kids are. And that's a construct that I, that, that runs up against my belief that that's how a kid had the kids have deemed it to be okay, but it is not how it has to be. <coughs> Excuse me. It is not how it has to be because as the creators of our space, we get to be the ones that determine how it has to be. And if the last period of the day is going to be a class, then my belief is that it gets to be a class and we get to hold their energy and our excitement until that is complete. If we want to build in waste time, 
extend the school day and let them have that extra few minutes at the end, whatever that is, I don't really care. And I'm not saying we should extend the school day by any means, but what I'm saying is when we get frustrated, when we get into this trap of thinking that something is right or wrong and we live in that world, it doesn't work and we get stuck. It is truly a trap. I'm right. They're wrong. There is no us versus them. It's just about what we're willing to create. So this is a big concept that we're covering, but we're covering it because I believe that in the self-improvement trap, we say nothing's working. Gosh, we're not where we need to be. And when we, we aren't okay with the journey and knowing that it's growth, we can easily get into a right versus a wrong. I'm wrong. They're right. I've got a problem. I sold out. I'm the challenge. And that's just simply not true. There's always stuff that works. There's things, there's often things that don't work, but there's always stuff that works. And so I invite you when you get into this self-improvement, when you, when you see where you want to go or you've, you've attacked, you've gone after something really big, you've had a big goal and maybe you didn't hit that goal or maybe you did, which is, that's cool too. But you get to ask yourself what worked because there's always something that worked. The fact that you're alive and that you made it through whatever it was that you created, that you made it through that worked. And then we think about what didn't work because sure there's things that didn't work, but I invite you to flip those questions. Don't ask yourself what didn't work first. Don't live in the didn't work land. Ask yourself first what worked. Invite yourself to the, the, the side where we smile and say something worked here. Those are our brag moments. It's really hard to brag. Think about that. I was encouraged yesterday by my friend Eric at his workshop to talk about what, like just brag for a minute. And I did. I talked for a minute about myself. I said, oh, I'm a CPA, former CPA, a certified public accountant. I run seven businesses. I have three wonderful kids, a great relationship with my husband. I've got this radio show. And I started to talk about all the things that I'm proud of. I realized afterwards I didn't talk about, I'm the silver medalist award winner of uh, all these other awards that I've won. And, and th those aren't as important to me as some of the other things that I've created. And so those brag moments are really important and it really falls under the what's working. All right, guys, we are going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, there's more. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson show here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReason.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about self-improvement tips, those steps that we most often miss. And one of the things that I want to talk about is something here. Why do I think that we get into this self-improvement challenge and, and how do we really get over it? One of the things that I see is this separation between presence and future. We spend our time in future. So while I want to be in the present, I'm really future casting. Future casting means I'm thinking about the future and all the things that could go wrong. Remember we just talked about we focus first on what's going wrong and remember right or wrong construct. So when we're future casting, we're going into what could possibly hurt us versus being present in the moment. So when I think about self-improvement, if we're focused on the what's not working because we don't want to create more of that, then we're constantly, we're in a future casting state of mind or we're attached to the past. The past, when we get attached to that, it's about depression. Okay, that linked to anxiety or linked to anxiety is the future. Depression is the past. So we want to be in the present. One of the things I share with you, I, you know, I talk about my, my parents a lot. Uh, my, my dad, so he was on the show in June. But what I don't often talk about is my dad has a chronic uh, disease. And it's something that even labeling it as the word chronic is something that is, that's new to me within the last few months or even weeks. Have we really attached the word chronic to it? And uh, when I was 10, my dad had colon cancer. Now that I talk about a lot. And since then, my dad has been uh, in and out of the hospital with bowel obstructions to the tune of about... Uh, three to four a year for the last 30 years. And there have been points in there where it's been significantly longer. So it'd be like six times every six months, or it may be a little, uh, he may get a little bit of a break in between. Like for example, he could go from January, be in the hospital in January, but then in June he would be in. So he's had a little bit more time, but on average, he's had probably four, four hospital visits a year for bowel obstructions in the last 30 years. So think about that, there's 120 visits to the hospital with this experience. And what he has is radiation enteritis. So when he got colon cancer, the doctor said, gosh, if you could just get five more years of life, that would be incredible. So at the time I was in fifth grade and I, my two sisters and I, we were third, fifth and seventh. So exactly the ages of my children now. And what uh, my dad said, he made a deal with God. For him, it was God. For you, it might be another source. It may be nothing, but hear this. In my dad's case, it was God. He made a deal with God and he said, God, if I could just see my girls graduate from high school. That was his deal. That's what he wanted. And so he did. He made it to high school. The The payoff for that, the, the prices that he paid was that between the time that he had cancer when I was 10 and the time that my younger sister graduated from high school, that was a, a 10 year span, he was in the hospital roughly 30 to 40 more times. And he had radiation right to the bowel and he had chemo. The radiation to the bowel really fried his bowel. But the surgeon said, geez, if he could, if he could just make it a few years, we'd be okay. They never dreamed that he would be alive 30 years later so then when we graduated from high school, he says, oh my gosh, they could, if I could just see him graduate from college, that'd be great. And we all graduated from college. He says, now I, I get that I'm really pushing my luck, but if I could just see them 
get married. And so then in 2013, my youngest sister got married. She was the last of the three of us to get married. And he says, yeah, we'd already had four, four grandchildren at the time. And he said, God, now I know I'm asking a lot. But if I could just see them drive, even just the oldest one, I have the oldest one is Caden, my oldest. And he said, if I could just see them drive, they could drive me around. If I could make it that long, I'd be, that'd be great. Now, Caden is 13. He turns 14 next August. And so that that is almost up. He gets to drive here where I live. When you turn 14, you can get a permit. And so when he turns 14, he'll be able to drive my dad around. Now, (laughs) that brings up a whole host of other questions. But you think about that. Here's a man that said, God, if it could just give me a few more years. But the price to living for him has been, extra, I mean, extraordinary pain every at least four times a year in the hospital for at least a week, around a week. And then he gets home and he's tired. He has to change his diet significantly. And then he ramps back up to what is a normal diet for him. And it does not look like a normal diet for us. It's very different but what's normal for him. And what's been happening over this last year is that in between those periods of going into the hospital and last few years, really, he's had smaller episodes where he's able to be at home during those periods. He doesn't actually have to go into the hospital, but he'll have a day of incredible pain. Then he'll have a few days of building back up to what's normal for him. And then he'll have maybe a week of normal where he can just resume his normal activities. So can you imagine, I mean, like, like really think about that. If I told you that in order to live your life fully, I was going to take you out of the game. And when I say out of the game, I mean like on death's door, the worst pain you can imagine. That's going to happen to you at least, at least one month of every 12 months. So every year, at least one month. And of those other 11 months, you're going to be uncomfortable anywhere between about 25 and 50% of that time. Meaning you don't know what that's going to be like. And I'm not going to tell you when those periods are that month. It's not one month together. It's not like you need to say, okay, I'm just June. This month, it's going to be June. I'll just take June off. It's going to be when you have things planned. So you still get to go about your day. You still get to be in your world. You still get to plan vacations or work conferences. You still get to do all of that stuff. My question for you is, would you move forward if you knew that that kind of pain was just going to come up? And what I know to be true is that's his story. And that's my story that I share with him. But I know that so many people in this world share a story similar to that or have something that is, that is equally as challenging for them. So that's our story. That's his story. That's the story that we share together. And what I know to be true is that in order to live that life, you get to be very present moment. So you feel the pain when the pain's there. But when it's a good day, you have a great day. And what I know about my dad is when he is out of the hospital, he works so hard to be healthy, to be present in those moments. He's the first one that says, I'll pick the kids up from school and I want to play with the kids. And can they come to my house and they have a school activity? I'm there. I'm in the front row. I'm cheering them on. He doesn't know how many more front rows he has. And here's the the biggest piece of all of this. 
is that we've lived with this since I was 10. And I've known since I was 10 that every time that my dad gets this bowel obstruction, it could be it. This could be the time that his bowel perforates and that there's nothing else that we can do. And then he's not coming home. So for the last 30 years, that's how we've lived. And so we're highly present to the time. I could have told you 20 years ago what I would have said with my dad's eulogy. I, I, I knew it, not word by word, but I knew the essence of it. We talked about it. And then my mom died and I didn't have her eulogy planned at all. It took me by surprise. Never would have guessed in a million years. And so what it brought me back to, I don't, I don't typically see myself as an anxious person. I wouldn't have labeled myself as anxiety, anxious, any of that. Wouldn't have ever thought that. But when we're in the hospital, which is what happened two weeks ago, when we're in the hospital and things aren't going our way and we think maybe this is what we've, we've kicked the can down the road as far as we can. In that moment, we don't, I've, I've trained myself to be highly present, not thinking about what's it going to be like when we get home. Do I need to get pudding so he can eat? Does he have jello? I, I don't even think about that at the moment. I'm just present to the experience that we're having there. I'll worry about the jello and the pudding in the future. I'll worry about everything else in the future, but I'm going to be highly present with where I am now. And I've used that same skill in a lot of other areas of my life. We've got, we've had a lot of trauma inducing experiences. My youngest son went through a very crazy experience the first year of his life. He almost died about 30 times. My husband has had cancer. My, uh, he's also had histoplasmosis. We thought he was going to die. So I've had all of these experiences that I don't wish upon anybody. But again, I say that's my story. And I know that everyone has their own story and their own version of it. And I say this because that I believe that the key to getting through these tough challenges, it's not about improving yourself. It's not about hearing something on a podcast, but maybe it is on this one because we're talking about it. It's not about that book. It's about being highly present in the moment. And it's saying that we can't control what moment's coming next. We don't know. We don't know that we even have a series of moments coming next. There's no guarantee that there is going to be a series of moments. There might be, I sure hope that there is, but there might not be. And are we okay with how we're living this moment? When we talk about self-improvement, that's really about where we are in this moment. It's not that there's anything wrong. It just means that we're looking at what our next level could be. We don't have to choose it. We can be really excited about where we are. And if we choose to grow into our next level, it's always available to us. And that's self-improvement. My dad looks at every day and he says, if this is the moment that I am swept away from this world, I'm okay. It's not that I want it to be this moment. Because I have a next level. I have another relationship I get to build with my kids. He got out of the hospital and he got the Lego Cherry Potter chess set because my middle son loves chess and he loves Legos and he loves Harry Potter. And he says, I'm going to get that. and We're going to play it together. And he had this moment with my middle son last week after he got home from the hospital. He said, Noah, come here. And he went into the living room or to, to, his, to his office. And he says, look what I got. Noah's face lit up and he was so excited to play it. Now they haven't built it or played it yet. They get to do that this weekend. But just think about that. When he was in the hospital and he was being present and he was saying, God, Lord, again, that's his choice and his words, but you replace that with whatever is true for you. If I just have a few more minutes and it's okay if this is the time for me, but if I have a next level, 
I get to connect with my, my grandson. I get to build that even deeper. And so I ask you when you're in this self-improvement game, I want you to think about this moment is precious. Like this is where you are. There is nothing wrong with where you are. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. And the question is, is there's a next level for everyone? And are you willing to step into it? Not in a space of judgment, not in a space of fault or blame, or like there's anything wrong with where you are because there is no right or wrong. Remember we covered that. There's no right or wrong. There's only where you are right now. And you are built in a beautiful way. And you get to decide there's a next level for me. Am I willing to step into it? And if that's a yes, then you get to move forward. But realize that that's a constant communication that you get to have with yourself. Just because it's a yes today doesn't mean it has to be a yes tomorrow. You can be a yes today and a no tomorrow. You can say, I want to step into my next level in this moment, but I don't in the next moment. And that's okay too. You won't read that in the books. You won't hear that on the podcast. We're always telling you, go, go, go. You always got to choose it. But here's the reality. You don't. You don't. You're beautifully created and you get to decide whether you want to step into that next level. And self-improvement trap is thinking that we've got to be a yes all the time because something's wrong with us. But hear me when I say there is nothing wrong. There's always a next level. It's your choice if you choose it. But we're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we'll pull all of this together. You are listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. That last commercial break is so short, and it makes me think I could easily go into a space of wrong. Like, Kathleen, why is it so short? Gosh, it doesn't, you don't even give a space for anybody to talk. So I can easily go into that wrong space. And this is perfect for this show today when I'm thinking about this and I'm being vulnerable about what's coming up for me so that you can hear how this works in real life. I say, wow, like that's wrong. We should have a sponsor in there. But the reality is we don't. We have sponsors for the other components of the show, but that third period sponsorship is open. So if you're listening and you want a sponsor, let me know because there is that, that space. And here, that's next level. And up until now, I haven't chosen to fill that space. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong. There is no right or wrong. It just means up until now, I haven't chosen it. And now I get to choose it. Now I get to say, wow, that break is really short. It's something that I've heard for the last couple months since we really rehashed the show and said, now it gets to be something that I get to accept the next level. And so think about that for you. How many times have you gotten frustrated and made yourself wrong because of something that isn't going how you want it? You hear it and you think, oh, why have I not put my attention on this? Like I screwed up, I suck. We go into the shame or spiral section and this is not what it's about. There is nothing wrong with you. Up until now, this is not a place that you've chosen to put your focus. And going forward, 
it's a place that you get to choose to put your focus if you want. And so then it comes back to choice, the self-improvement, the questions that we often stop asking ourselves is the what's working. So the show, the show is working. The ratings keep going up. It's beautiful. People keep listening. I hear comments. So that's working. And if you have any comments, please, by all means, send it to me because feedback is wonderful. It's so great to hear the feedback. So it, it supports me in understanding where I get to go with the show, whether I, what I get to change, maybe it's the tone and it's okay. And there's probably somebody listening that's making a decision right now, if they ever want to listen again, and this may be the time where they say, nope, I'm out. And I get to love and embrace that too. And there was a point in my life where I wouldn't have embraced that. <laughs> but I'm like, oh no, they don't like me. I have to change. Uh. And yet that didn't serve me because the reality is we aren't for everyone. I'm not for everyone. I realize I'm too much for some people. I listened to a lady yesterday. I actually met her and I thought, wow, she had just a vibe about her. I really wanted to get to know her. And I was so, I was really drawn to her energy. And yet a couple minutes later, she says, people used to tell me they were drawn to my energy. And I haven't even used those words for her, but this is what she says. People tell me that they're drawn to my energy. And so at one time I tracked whether people like my energy or not. And uh, I decided I got to lower my energy so that more people would embrace me. I thought, oh my gosh, her gift is her vibe. It is her energy. Remember at the beginning where we said those that are willing to dig into the messy to see the gift, those are the ones that get it. It's so beautiful. And this, her energy, she was digging through it. And she got to see up until now, I haven't treated my biggest gift as the gift that it is. Going forward, this is what I'm committed to. That's the process of self-improvement saying, what's working? Clearly, people are talking about my energy. What's not working is I've been focused on it as not being my gift. And where do I get to go next? I'm choosing to say that this is my gift and I get to give it to the world. And that is so incredible. And so what I want you to take from today's show is that the people that we've heard from, like Jesse Cole, Cameron Hughes, Larry Long Jr., Annie Meehan, every single day, these people, I know they walk through this process. And do any of them go through the shame spiral? Sure, because we're humans. But where they get to go and where they move forward and how they do it, how I do it, is stopping and pausing and saying, up until now, I haven't chosen to focus on this area, this area of growth, whatever that is. For me, what I just said, the, the third radio advertisement spot, it's not somewhere that I've chosen to focus up until now. So what's working? I've had the show for a year and a half. That's working. People are listening. That's working. Sundays, I amaze that. Yeah, I used to say, gosh, if I just had five people that would listen to my show, I'd be so excited. And then I saw the numbers climb to hundred. I'm like, oh my gosh, there are a hundred people listening. And then I saw the numbers climb. I'm like, whoa, like people are actually listening. And I could easily go into, but it's not a thousand. It's not a million or whatever that number is. It's not this, it's not that. That doesn't serve me. I get to remember how excited I was when just five people chose to listen or 10 or 15. Because what I know to be true is that my message my mess. <laughs> that is my message. But my message, I would give it if one person was listening. I would give it if one person was listening. So it doesn't matter 
whether it's five or 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000, it does not matter. That's irrelevant. But in the self-improvement game, we can easily get into that trap of thinking, well, I used to be excited about five and now if it's not 5,000, I suck. And that's just not the case. It's all about next level. For me, the next level is growing the audience. It's interacting with the audience. It's engaging with the audience. It's bringing in really cool people for you to hear with, for me to talk with and for you to hear. That is the next level. And, and as a human, I get to be excited about that. As a radio show host, and I get to be excited about that. Not frustrated because that wasn't where I was six months ago or a year ago. We're on a growth plan. We're on an escalator. You wouldn't stand at the top of the escalator and be mad that you're not on step one because we already got there. We're at the top. Now we're going to walk on the next escalator and the next escalator and the next escalator. You don't get to the fourth escalator and say, holy crap, I'm so mad because I didn't go from one to four automatically. This is not an elevator. It's an escalator. You don't just ride up to four. There's no magic game. You don't step into an elevator and all of a sudden you disappear, blah, 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 and reappear at four. No, you go up each level. And each time you get to say, do I want to go to the next level? You do not have to hop on the next escalator. That's a choice. But sometimes we just assume because we're at the top, because we're at the top of that one, we got to go to the next one. And you don't, I'm here to say you don't. Now I want you to, some of the people around you that want you to, but it's not about them. It's about us. So you get to decide, do you want to be a yes to the next level? That's what self-improvement is. It's saying consciously, am I going to make the choice to get to the next level? Am I choosing that? And if you're a no, it's okay. doesn't mean you got to ride back down the escalator. You can hang out there. There's probably a party. It's a really fun place. You worked really hard to get there. Be excited about where you are. It's okay to take a breath. It's okay to hang out for just a little bit. It's okay to pause. It's okay to gather yourself. And then one day when you're ready, You're a yes, and you're all in. Because what I don't want to see are the people that keep one foot at the bottom of the escalator and one foot on the stair, and then their legs do this kind of stretch limo thing. That doesn't work. So when you're a yes, you're all in. But knowing the self-improvement game, you get to be a yes, or you get to be a no, and it's okay. It's your choice. All right, thank you so much for being here today, for honoring me with your time to listen to this. If you have any feedback, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com is the best way to get a hold of me. I am so thankful for you. Enjoy your day and come back and see me next Monday. You're listening to Kathleen Reason on the Kathleen Reason Show. Thank you for listening to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reason will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.